Hey, how you doing? Welcome back to Vicarious Competition. We are going to go over the Dynamic Update 2022 today. You guys, I'll let you know, I'm re-recording this episode so that I'll tell you about the level of commitment. Uh, originally, I wanted to do the entire update in a single episode. It was running a little bit too long for my liking you know i like the episodes to be short and crispy so we're gonna back up a little bit and do this one one section at a time overall the dynamic update this year i think was even more exciting than the one last year you look at what their targets were and what their goals were this is going to be a podcast about the competitive side of monster apocalypse and i think the dynamic update this year was a reflection of competitive Mompok, which is a good thing because you for sure don't need to, you know, you should never design a game entirely around your competitive scene because that's only going to be some fraction of your community. But to take them into consideration and to at least incorporate that aspect into some of your design uh, aspect is, I think, a better balance overall and that's what uh you know it kind of reflects the shift in privateer press's attitude towards their game in you know what's my opinion a, a positive direction you know like i think it's really good we'll spend this uh starting episode the overall flavor you know again just to remind everyone those of you that aren't familiar because i know privateer press they've got a little bit of a history with dynamic updates war machine and hordes for a point in time they went like a little bit overboard. I think they were just a little overwhelmed with the number of factions they wanted to get and how they had their schedule. And it felt for the players like things were changing all of the time uh, and changing too often. Monster Apocalypse has a much better balance with that. They expect to do about one balance update or one dynamic update per year, uh, you know, which is going to be, you know, they kind of take the, the upper end of things and they bring them down a little bit and they take the lower end of things and bring them up. So the ultimate goal is going to be, you know, like you can look at any monster in the game or any faction or whatever you want to focus on and not feel, you know, like it was a negative purchase. You know, like you can kind of start almost anywhere and have a positive experience playing the game. You know, they want to eliminate those dud purchases or those negative recommendations. You know, you never want players in your game to be like, oh, don't buy this product because it's not strong enough or you're just going to get, you know, crushed, uh, whatever people will say. So they've done a really, really good job of it. And, and we can, you know, later on, maybe we'll do an episode of, of what those purchases might look like. You know, we'll look at the, the high end and the low end and like what candidates would be for later. But, you know, I think they did a really good job. They targeted the right things with this update. And, and that was kind of their goals. We're going to spend this episode talking a little bit about the buildings that they've done. It's a little bit of a different approach. I find that the buildings are one of the most mystifying aspects of Monster Apocalypse. People look at the monsters, they can identify with a lot of the abilities or the aesthetics, and that's like the cool part. You know, they're like, okay, great, here's my like big giant monster, I'm going to fight other monsters with it. Most people will kind of get behind the units as well. You know, they're like, okay, this is like a necessary part of it. So, you know, here's, you know, the support staff or, you know, the kind of like little minions that run around and assist the monsters. 
And then they look at the buildings and they're like, I don't care about these at all. Um, or I, I don't know what they do, so I'm just going to ignore them. But, you know, your building loadout is a big part of your list. And, and we can look at what modern building loadouts are. I think there's a couple of different modules now. Things had gotten a little bit stagnant prior to the update. But, you know, now here we are and things are wide open again. The big change and, and the boogeyman of the community on the building side of things were the media companies. Previously, these models added an extra action dice to any actions, an extra white dice to any actions that you did within three spaces of them. This was extremely powerful, both in your opponent's backfield as well as the midfield, you know, because it stopped things like blitz and different things, you know, that it kind of slowed down the activity because of the actions were much more limited. It also created a pretty negative player experience because there were lots of gotcha moments. You know, if you weren't thinking about that and taking that in consideration for your turn, you go to do an important action and then all of a sudden, you know, you need that extra action dice that you don't have. And then, you know, your, your plan is kind of like ruined, so to speak. So what they did with the media company instead is they made it so that instead of costing an extra uh, action dice, an extra one of the white dice, instead you give a power dice to your opponent when you take that action. Um, which is, you know, one of the red dice. Uh, and it's only once per turn. So power dice are obviously extremely important. That's your primary resource of Monster Apocalypse. So they did a really nice job with this building as opposed to the Shadow Sun nerfs during the last update. They were a little bit, you know, heavy-handed. Kind of knocked the building into, you know, a realm where it's like hard to get good use out of. This building is still going to be fine. It's still going to be fine in your opponent's backfield. And it's still a fine choice for the midfield uh, you know, position. You're probably not going to see four of them in a list like you were previously. You know, before you were having four buildings in, in both players' lists a lot of the time. So you would have eight of them on the table, you know, which is really not what you want to see in any kind of healthy meta, you know. So cutting this back, you know, helps that one. And the other part of the problem was there weren't other options other than the media company for these what we call junk building slots. And these junk buildings are negative buildings that hinder your opponent or sort of get in the way. So by introducing more viable junk buildings, uh, that also competes with the slot for the media company. You know, before, whether you like the ability or not, you're like, I don't know, I'm going to put four of these in there. One of the new junk buildings that they've revamped and updated is the corporate headquarters. Previously, it just removed uh, your, you know, your opponent lo lost a power dice during their power-up phase. Now, in addition to that, the corporate headquarters has a rule that adjacent units suffer minus one defense. So you can now use this in your opponent's backline on their double secures so that when they're securing this building, it's easier to clear their units off of it. Or you can use it in the midfield next to power points or objective spaces so that way, you know, it's it's easier to fight those. You know, they can go, your opponent can go for those forward objectives, but they're going to be at minus one defense, which makes it easier to clear them off. So this is now like a really, really solid central, you know, or midfield disruptive building. And, and if that's, you know, your sort of thing, you want to have a more unit aggressive, you know, list, you can put some of these in there and you can even put multiples, you know, to kind of tag all of those important objectives that you're going to be fighting over throughout the course of the game. So the new corporate headquarters is um, a really nice addition. The other one that they updated was the cathedral, 
which is number one really nice to see because this is like a really really interesting and sweet uh, model that they've produced the the miniature for the cathedral is super nice it's got like these stained glass windows allows for a lot of paint expression you know it's not just like a square building so when this one came out originally the rules were kind of so so on it you know a little bit lackluster um, but now <clears throat> they've introduced a very interesting rule in that you need an extra unit to secure this building so instead of needing three units to touch it you now need four what this does is create a situation where you can drop this into a double foundation in your opponent's backline to really, really complicate how you know they're able to secure and manage with this junk building. Previously, when you had a junk building in the backline, you would you know capture it and then either switch it out for something you wanted using an imperial state building, or you could use a construction yard to retrofit it. And turn it into something you know that that's going to be better for you or, or not a disruption building the cathedral adds a little bit of an extra level of counterplay to that one it's like well you can still secure it and get rid of it but you're going to have to take an extra step for that one um which can be you know pretty difficult on on some of the maps you know it's hard to find the the time and the resources to get around to doing that one so you know it might end up just kind of shutting down the back line entirely not entirely, but you know that particular foundation. You know you might not come back to it because just because it's not worth the investment. The final building changes to the Imperial State Building itself. When this building launched, there was a lot of uh, discussion around: is it too strong? Is it too mandatory? The Privateer Press, uh, you know, the way they've been developing the building game is saturation with good options. So yes, the the Imperial State is very strong, but most of the buildings are very strong so the list when you're building your building list uh, it leads to a lot of interesting and challenging decisions the list design around the buildings is arguably even more complex and nuanced than like your monster pair or your unit loadout you know with those there's kind of like certain maxims that you're looking for there's certain packages that you can plug in or plug out the building list you don't have enough space and there's not enough wiggle room to do all the things that you want to do the big the Imperial State Building, for those, that's what lets you switch buildings. So this is like one of the ways, you know, you can get rid of junk buildings. If you need to bring in a utility building that you weren't previously securing, you can trade out, you know, one of your other buildings. Um, it allows for some really fancy and trick plays. You know, you could be securing a building that gives your list plus one speed, you know, the uh, industrial complex. And then after you've moved for the turn, then you might switch that one for, um, you know, the the communication array to get plus one range on your gun so you get the plus one speed and then you turn that into plus one range using the imperial state building so this is a critical building and prior to the update there was a really negative play pattern where first player's first turn was just to steal the opponent's imperial state building you're like well i'm going to do that one and then now you don't have one so then there was like the counterplay was like well we're bringing uci buildings to compensate and steal it back and all this different stuff so the change they made is that you cannot steal or you cannot transport an, uh, an unsecured Imperial State Building. So this makes it a much better experience. You can still switch it out if you're done using it, um, but you can't take your opponents as specifically as first player. You know, that was a pretty negative play pattern that gave a, an unnecessary advantage to first player that they were able to eliminate with that one. So I'm going to leave it at that. Um, we still went way over 10 minutes anyway, but at least, you know, I think we got some better discussion. 
Um, for a more in-depth look at the dynamic update and probably a much better podcast overall production-wise, uh, you can check out um, my buddy Garrett at the Midnight Mon Pod. He has a really nice uh, full discussion on that one, um, and he's starting to produce more content as well. So you can check those guys out. Quick shout out to them. Otherwise, I'll check out. I'll catch you guys tomorrow to talk about the protectors changes and what that does for their pairings and their lists. So thanks a lot. I'll catch you guys then.